We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBox, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights, strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com slash B. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we work to amplify the voices and ideas of changemakers in education. We talk with students, educators, and thought leaders who are questioning the status quo and resisting tradition in education. We invite you to join us as we discuss how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to try something new, reignite wonder, and reimagine education. If you are in the Bay Area, we are currently accepting applications for students for the fall of 2023. Yes, we have limited spots available, and also for our elementary and middle school starting at TK through seventh grade for fall of 2024. Up Academy has created our framework so that new and existing schools can develop imaginative, exciting, relevant, engaging learning environments for all of their students. We're excited to introduce the Rebel Project Literacy Curriculum. It's a fully integrated literacy and project-based learning curriculum that supports social-emotional development and is based on skills and competencies. Learn more at projectup.us. Have you ever thought of opening your own school? Project Up is also supporting new educators and families to create schools like Up Academy and schools of your own design. Reach out to join our affiliate network at projectup.us. Now, let's get to today's episode of the Rebel Educator Podcast. Welcome, Rebel Educators. I have a super special guest today. My guest is Natalie, and Natalie is a new ninth grade high school student. I say new, not that she's a new student, but she's new to high school. She's here today to talk to us about her experiences through education and her thoughts on the pros and cons of different styles that she's had and share some things that she's created from an educational perspective. I always love these conversations when I get a chance to talk to a student. And this one is extra special because Natalie was one of my daughter Eliza's best friends. And for listeners who have listened to some of my other shows and know me well, you know that Up Academy was built inspired by my daughter Eliza, who passed away in 2016. And I am so lucky that I still get to be friends with her friends. So 
Welcome, Natalie. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Hi, Tanya. I'm so excited to be here. It's honestly truly a pleasure. And I'm really excited to share my experience and have not only a conversation that will help our viewers, but I think it will expand my knowledge as well. I want to start with your different schooling experiences because you've had kind of a unique opportunity where you went to a very project-based elementary school and a very traditional private middle school, and now you're in a pretty typical public high school. I want to start there and just take a minute of kind of what have you seen from elementary school to high school and how those transitions been? It was an awesome public elementary school experience. The elementary school I went to had a lot of project-based learning. There were always parent volunteers nearly every single day. There was a program called Arts Focus where we had different classes based on different arts that we would rotate every semester or every year. And it was just overall very personalized. We were exposed to the arts and the mindset for problem solving. So that's what I had growing up for the first six years of my public elementary school experience. Then I transferred to a private Christian middle school. It was drastically different. So we saw a lot less project learning and it was more just curriculum, curriculum, curriculum. There definitely wasn't as much of an emphasis placed on any project learning or any focus on thoughts, any personal skills, problem solving skills. And that's what the education side of my private and middle school journey was like. And now it's high school, way bigger class. We jump from eighth grade with 100 kids to like 600 kids right now in my freshman class of 2027. And it's the past week and a half have been really, really different. I've had to adjust. It's been fun, though. And getting to have a fresh start has been nice, too. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with ed tech? Tools that assume every student learns the same way at the same pace. I need my technology to do more for me. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum and that it's proven benefit to all student populations, including English learners and students in special education programs. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results, combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com slash B-E. What do you think were the biggest kind of pros or advantages to each of the schools that you've been in? Uh, I have a few. So I think the class size has definitely played a large, a large role in each experience. So of course, in public elementary school, we had a cumulative grade of 60 kids but each class was 
split up into around 30 kids or less. So even though the class sizes were pretty big, 30 kids, it was elementary school, right? So we stayed together. We always did everything together. And in that way, we got to know all of our classmates super intimately, extremely well. We practically went from babies to nearly tweens. So that was definitely a pro just to get to know everybody so well. In private school, our grade was 100 kids, right? So we had to adjust more. We went to different classes, but the class size, I think it wasn't as great of an experience to know everyone as well, just because there were more kids. And of course, I can say the same for high school, 600 kids. Getting to know everybody intimately would not be a solution. Another pro, I think, about my experience in elementary school with the project-based learning was how much we focused on group work and collaboration and listening to one another and finding a role in a project. I know one of the things that I thought personally was a waste of time in middle school was when only one person would do the work or some people didn't contribute during a group setting. And that would be like, oh, why aren't we all cumulatively working together? That was one aspect where private middle school, I think, could have improved on was teaching everybody's role and learning in a group setting. In that sort of group setting in middle school, did you all get the same grade, even if you didn't all participate the same amount? Yep. Unfortunately, I had a lot of frustrations with that one. And I know a lot of my classmates did as well when they would do more work and the others would play a very minimal role. But still, even the ones who didn't still got a good grade. I know I had classmates who openly expressed those frustrations to the teacher. And that's been challenging. But I think the way that a project-based learning curriculum and style of teaching emphasizes learning to participate in a group is really effective. Yeah, I agree. But also I've seen that other side of it and that unfortunately doesn't really go away. I remember my grad program when I was getting my master's and we were in a collaborative cohort and there were students there that just never really participated in any of the group work in any of the classes and any of the projects, yet they're getting the same grade and they're getting, at that point, an advanced degree out of really not doing any work. I think this is one of the bigger challenges that we see just in education as a whole is how do we promote collaborative work? And like you said, how do we make sure that everybody has a role so that everybody is either utilizing their strengths for the better of the group or getting stronger in an area of challenge and using the project work in school so that they can be better when they're out in the world. And it's something that, like you said, you didn't think the private school did very well. And it's something that I don't think a lot of schools do well, or it's an area of improvement for a lot of places. Exactly. And with the university, when an entire degree is at stake, when all of their previous life accolades and experiences have led up to this, it can be challenging with something like a university degree, which they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and obtain. That can be so challenging when you know it's not rightfully earned. 
Absolutely. You mentioned arts focus and the project learning that you did in elementary school. Do you have a favorite project that you worked on or a favorite arts focus unit? Oh, that brings me on like memory lane. I think there were so many different choices. Well, they weren't choices back then. They were assigned to us so that we could explore every realm of the arts in elementary school. But I remember I particularly enjoyed, there was one called kinetic arts, I believe, where we use different materials when you would pull something and something else would move. And sewing, of course, was pretty fun for me. And I also remember in first grade, I took one called printmaking with my first grade teacher and some parent volunteers. And that one was pretty fun too when we got to find and print our own playing cards. Oh, fun. Yeah. Arts Focus in general was different than other public schools, but also a very good way to introduce all the kids to the arts. Yeah. So for listeners, the Arts Focus program that she's talking about is a fully volunteer parent-led program where for six weeks in the fall and six weeks in the spring on Thursdays, which was their minimum day for three to four hours, three and a half hours on Thursday mornings, they would do mixed age classes in an area of focus in the arts. And that was different every semester. And it was all led by parent volunteers. So parents would come in, they would bring their curriculum, they would bring all of the materials, they would be in the classroom with a mixed age group of students bringing out and sharing these different art units. And Natalie mentioned several of them with printmaking. I know there was photography. There was a world beat where they learned about different rhythms and music around the world. There was a glassworks one. I remember my daughter coming home with plastic that she had made, like milk plastic in one of them. It was maybe like a textures or a textiles class. Materials, I think. Yeah, that could have been materials. I think one part of the unique public school experience was how parent-focused and parent-volunteer centralized it was. And that created a, a really fun, but also different experience, especially just as a public school. I'm extremely fortunate to have attended there and been able to experience such unique public school experience where literally parents, I think they were almost required to volunteer, right? Back when you started, yes, they were required. That's kind of changed and their vocabulary has changed over the years. But yeah, when you started kindergarten, parents were required to be in the classroom two hours a week, required to take on a committee job within the school. So helping out in some aspect of the school and helping it to coordinate and run. Arts Focus is one of those potential committee jobs. So those parents volunteered for that as one of their committee obligations. And I feel like there were other ways we were required to be involved too, but I don't remember what they all were. There were a lot. <laughs> there were a lot. <laughs> yeah. In a way though, I think they were ultimately beneficial towards all of our development and success. Yeah. And towards building a community. You know, you got the opportunity to really get to know almost 60 students really well with the small class sizes and with being with that cohort all the way through. And from a parent perspective, the parents got the same experience. We were all working together, coordinating shifts in classes, helping to train other new parents, you know, creating curriculum and supporting students in the classroom. And so that really built a sense of community amongst the parents and the families as well. Yeah, that also brings up such a good point. I know all of my classmates in elementary school 
I knew their parents as if they were like my classmates. I knew everyone's family. And one thing that contrasted from middle school was even my closest friends. I would rarely ever see their parents in middle school just because of how parent focused it was in elementary school. And like you said, the community that was built as a result. Yeah. So I think we've covered lots of pros of that project-based experience. (laughs) Are there things that you thought either there or in middle school that you thought were just a waste of time? There were a few, definitely, maybe even more in middle school. I know that the group projects where some people would just not participate, that was almost futile when it wasn't a active and equally represented project. Mm-hmm. Another one, I wouldn't say this was something useless, but maybe a con in public elementary school was the emphasis, at least for the first four years, like before fourth grade, was probably the personalization. So in middle school and high school, we get to choose the advanced or easier courses that suit your level and your personal ability. In the first four years of public elementary school, other than the reading level, everything else was almost the same. And I think that was challenging for all of us because we were all on different levels. There might have been some variety for math as well, but it's not something the public schools could have completely solved anyways. But in a con for all school experiences in general is definitely the need for personalization so that every student can feel like they're learning what they need to, especially if, oh, I'm falling behind and I need help on this, or I'm in front of the others and I can skip ahead on something. I think that was something that I remember. Sometimes I would feel behind, sometimes I would feel ahead, both in elementary school and middle school. Interesting. What that brings up a really good point. And generally in education, there's a lot of talk about personalization and how to make that happen and how to get students in their right spaces. And even when they're with a group that they pace and learn well with that's at their level, there's still concepts that are easier for some and harder for others. And and so there's always that give and take when you're in any sort of group, even if it's a pretty small group. But I'm super curious since we As a school for us at Up Academy, we went through the opportunity to develop and create a brand new middle school. So when you think about your project learning and the pros of community and the cons of it not being personalized enough and think through some of those aspects, if you could design your perfect school experience, what would that look like? First of all, congratulations to Up for a middle school. That is absolutely amazing. In just a few years, they you guys already have so many students and so many grade levels. And it's so exciting to watch. Thanks, Natalie. <laughs> but um, anyways, back to the question. I think the perfect experience is a combination between some of the areas I've seen. So I think like we've discussed a lot. Lots of opportunities for the arts have been crucial for expanding kind of your cultural knowledge. I think being very diverse, both in teaching style, but also in, I don't know if I'm phrasing this wrong or if this would be subjective, but in culture and ethnicities, that's, I know in elementary school, 
I was definitely exposed to all sorts of cultures. I know we had, we even had international day where people could present their culture and where they came from. And that I think really taught me to understand and accept everyone for not, not even accept, but just make seeing other people who didn't look like me a normal, regular thing. That would be something I would implement in a perfect educational experience because I know as you grow older, to change your norms and to change your ideologies is so much harder than when they're developed from a young age. Oh, I also have a point where I know a lot of people still struggle with is I would teach every single kid to actively ask for help and ask questions because even in high school and college, as they're growing up, I've heard, I've read some articles that have said that some people don't advocate for themselves and have some trouble asking for help when they need it. And that's been so crucial because I'm never, ever, ever the brightest kid in the room. But I think what's contributed to how I've learned is asking questions. I am the kid who will ask 20 questions in class and I will keep on asking them until I understand it. And I think that's been really a beneficial way for not just me, but for a lot and a lot of people for understanding and finally being able to comprehend a topic. So that's another aspect that would be added into a nice educational experience. Yeah, those are great. And I think there's one other one, and you actually developed a curriculum around this because you saw it was missing in your educational experience, and that's financial literacy. So you created an upper elementary financial literacy curriculum for your Girl Scout Silver Award because you saw that was lacking. And we got the opportunity to have you come in and present it and teach it to our fourth and fifth grade class. But can you talk a little bit about why you created that and how it's been as you've delivered it to other groups of students and how that's gone? Yes, that's definitely one of the more specific ones I forgot to mention. Yeah, that was much more specific. That's true. (laughs) That's definitely something I should have brought up. Financial literacy. So yeah, like Tanya stated for my Girl Scout Silver Award last year, I developed a financial literacy curriculum via Kahoot. And I had the wonderful opportunity to teach that up to some extremely attentive fourth and fifth graders who are very engaged. To expand on this, financial literacy is when an individual knows how to manage their finances and learn about how to manage their resources and plan their spending and saving in a logical and methodical manner. But when you're young, even in high school, in most high schools across America, any type of personal finance or financial literacy course is omitted from an elective choice or in the entire curriculum in general. And so seeing the problems that this creates, just one of them being homelessness, credit card debt, all of these problems in our society that are created by the lack of knowing how to manage your resources and money wisely is where teaching kids about this young is so, 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 so essential. So that's one of the problems that I recognized last year when I tried to develop my silver award and continue to work on something that would benefit our community. And this is something that 
also has been well received by kids because anytime you go into a classroom of fourth graders, present a slideshow and expect them to sit there and listen to a lecture, it will not usually be successful in having them stay attentive and engaged the entire time because kids just can't sit still, right? So I think financial literacy, when you present it in a fun way, it's something that they've never, ever learned before or have rarely been touched on. Maybe their parents have mentioned budgeting or saving once or twice in their entire lifetime. So learning something completely new, not having a redundant statement that they've heard before has been, or at least at Up Academy, I know, and I'm excited and glad that it was very well received by the kids. It was. They loved having you come in and teach. Like, it's always really fun to have a guest teacher, but it's also really fun to have a guest teacher who's still a kid, (laughs) you know, and to be able to learn from others. And like, that's one of the beauties just of mixed age schools and mixed age classes in general is that you can learn from each other. But having you come in was definitely one of the highlights of their year. Oh, I'm so happy. It was so fun to teach them too. I was scared before I went in if they were going to ask questions, if they were going to even listen to me. But yeah, it, it exceeded my expectations. We've talked a lot about like the different ways of being of schools or methodologies of teaching or education, but we haven't talked much about the actual experience of being in school. And I'm super curious because in, in my generation, I didn't have phones or social media or an online presence that I had to worry about and manage while I was also worried about and managing what people thought of me face-to-face or in real life. Those feel like two different things now that I didn't have to contend with. So how do you see that in the experience of school now? Do you have friends in social media? Do you see differences in the way people relate to each other online versus who they are to each other in real life? Like, How does that play out in the halls of of middle school or high school? It's a huge topic. And I'm going to be completely honest. It's not even the educational part of school that worries me the most. It's the social life because education is just straightforward. If you do well, if you get good grades, you can succeed. But social life is so much harder. You have to actively think about what you're doing. You have to make friends, all of these. There's no rules that you get to follow when it comes to social life. So I think that's definitely been a huge part of it. And going back to the online versus in-person, having an online persona is like a whole nother life. I don't have any friends on social media. I'm not one of the people who make friends online, but just using Instagram, for example, using YouTube, the interactions on there and having to compare, I guess, in a negative way, comparing yourself to others seeing the other people who you know and who you don't know and their lives, it can be tough. And honestly, can be distracting when your online presence can honestly even change your in-person presence. But I think that in-person interactions should still definitely be prioritized because no matter how long you want to stay escaping on a computer for, you can never escape having a face-to-face interaction. And to be honest, face-to-face interactions are going to be harder 
especially after COVID, I know I lost all my social skills and I went from being the biggest extrovert in fifth grade, knowing every single kid to now sometimes I even dread going out and talking to people. But still, I know that that's some of the most important things that I'll ever learn in my life, that networking and talking to people, connecting and connections with others is still one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. I mean, I asked the question because I remember talking to my cousin's kids several years ago, and they were talking about their Instagram and their online accounts and how there were people that they were friends with online and they would like their posts or their pictures or things, but then they would never talk to them in person. Or when they passed in the hallway, they wouldn't even say hello. Like they both know what they were doing all weekend and where they were and who their family is and who their friends are and who they're hanging out with. And they're liking each other's things and commenting on their pictures, but then they see each other in real life and it's like they don't know each other. Like there's no personal interaction. Do you find things like that still as well? Or is it a little more mixed together? (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. I think if you experience that, it really depends on how you want to be perceived online. For example, on social media, if you follow a bunch of people at your school, people outside of school, your friends' friends, and want to know everything, get a lot of followers. And that's definitely something that would happen when you see what they're posting, like what they're posting, but you never actually know them. So it kind of depends on your follower amount and who you're following. For me, I try and I follow the people at school, right? So in middle school, we had a smaller school. I haven't really followed anyone at my new school yet. But in middle school, I followed a lot of people, mainly in my grade, but definitely some in the grade above and below and even two grades above or two grades below. But yeah, it's true. There are some people who, when I go into my Instagram account and tap on the story, I still don't even know who they are. (laughs) So I guess it depends. But if you make your account so it's just your friends, your people in your grade that you know pretty well, then you might not see as much of that. But I know most people are always following, trying to get as many people to follow them as possible. So that can definitely be an interesting part of social media. When you think about like making in real life connections and friendships and those social skills, as students, we spend six, seven, eight, sometimes nine hours a day at school and on campus. Are there things that educators or schools or organizations can do that they're not doing or that you haven't seen to help foster those skills and help develop those things among students? I guess, are there things that you think would be useful or are there things that you've had that you've really enjoyed that you've found useful? I know there's one that I've actually just recently had my new computer science teacher. I'm I'm not good in computer science, but just wanted to try it out. But anyways, he has a system where every single day we go aside for five minutes and we talk to somebody new. We walk a whole lap with them on longer days. And I think that's just such a, a fascinating way that I've never experienced before to get to know every single kid in your class, to know more people. Because honestly, you'd be surprised that if you never went and talked to somebody, if you never put yourself out there, how many friendships you could lose out on. For example, in PE, I was 
really bored this one day. So I went to talk to a group of new girls and this long girl has been all of my energy in that PE class, like just since last week. So I think to foster those social skills, one way is to keep actively telling the kids to stop sticking to their group or people who they think are in their social hierarchy area, which is just honestly still a problem today. But I know a lot of people that have continued to succeed have tried to I've heard this at least, have tried to talk to even the kids who might not seem like they're friends, the kids who might even be more, I I don't like to use the word popular, but the word trendy at school, any of the kids who might even be just overall more introverted and, and you'd be surprised. So I think if schools could continue to encourage talking to everybody, that would honestly make the community feel so much more interconnected. Yeah. Putting it that way makes it sound so simple. Like all your computer science teacher is doing is creating an opportunity for you to talk to somebody new every class period. And it takes, you know, five minutes outside of class to create that. And he's going to build a full community in your computer science class where you're going to be happy to see most of those kids every day. Like you're never going to be friends with everybody and you're not going to click with everybody, but you're going to know who they are. Yeah, and it it seems so simple, but when nobody actually tells you to do it, it's not that we forget. It's almost that we feel pressured by society to not, (laughs) and I think that class is fun because of that. Yeah, well, that doesn't change as you get older. Like That only gets harder as you get older and you're in different social situations. So for educators and for rebel educators who are listening, like any opportunity that we can give to create those experiences for our students, just to give them time to get to know each other within our classes and within the spaces that we're lucky enough to have students is really a gift to them and frankly to us, because that means that we get to talk with each one of you for a little while too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was so well phrased. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your ideas and your insight, Natalie. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Tanya. It's my first podcast ever. So I hope I somewhat followed the rules and I hope the listeners think I did somewhat okay or wasn't too boring in my answers. You did amazing. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you so much, Tanya. That's it for another episode of Rebel Educator. Thank you for joining us and thank you for spending your limited time with us learning how to be rebels in education. If you'd like to learn more or access our project library, you can go to rebeleducator.com. If you'd like to learn more about our progressive elementary and middle school in the San Francisco Bay Area, check out upacademy.com. Interested in learning more about our Rebel Literacy Project curriculum or launching your own school and joining our affiliate network? Visit projectup.us. And if you haven't read it yet, pick up your copy of my book, Rebel Educator, create classrooms where impact and imagination meet on Amazon or anywhere you read or listen to your books. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and rate our show so that others can find it and love us too. Look forward to talking to you soon. Keep resisting tradition, Rebel Educators. There are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. 
When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.